We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jackson off his back foot, lofting for the end zone. Mark Andrews, he's got it. Touchdown, Baltimore. Jackson back corner, Duvernay, perfect placement, touchdown. On third down and goal, here they come. Jones retreating, floating, end zone, picked off. Humphrey in the end zone. This is a very meaningful win because of where it takes place and who it takes place against. It's a good football team. This team will be there at the end of the year in the playoffs. You watch. Jackson keeps it. Has a first down. Has a touchdown. Lamar Jackson. You know what has to tell me about Lamar Jackson. I believe I, I believe in him. I love him. I, I believe, you know, I, I just believed him the day, first day we drafted him, the first day we talked about drafting him, you know, and felt like, you know, he could be everything he is. You know, one of John Harbaugh's favorite phrases over his years in Baltimore has been this. It's not perfect. It's not pretty, but it is us. And Sarah, I think that perfectly summarizes what the Baltimore Ravens put together in a gutsy, gutsy win on the road in week three against the New England Patriots. 37 to 26 was the final as the Ravens improve to two and one welcome into the Ravens vault podcast I'm Bobby Trossett alongside my co-host and partner Sarah Ellison and Sarah we always talk about it right it's a week-to-week league in the NFL for all 32 teams and this week's news cycle it's gonna be a whole heck of a lot different than last week's (laughs) oh my goodness and and at the end of the day why because of fourth quarter play because of fourth quarter play particularly on the defensive side of things But from, like, the big picture, we know this. We know the Ravens have finally notched their first regular season win in Foxborough at Gillette Stadium. They got that knocked out of the way. And we know from a big picture, the Ravens' defense notched five turnovers, including that turnover on downs early. Five turnovers. And Lamar Demetrius Jackson Jr. (laughs) playing at an MVP level putting up five touchdowns of his own. Bobby, five touchdowns by Lamar Jackson, five turnovers by the defense, as ugly as it was in between everything else, that's going to be tough to beat that. Sarah, this this game could have gone the other way early on when it just felt like every other play, the Ravens were smacked in the mouth with an injury. And for this entire team to face that adversity – work through it in game in a hostile environment. It was New England's season opener, home opener, I should say. 
it's one of those games where I don't think you circle it per se, but you just note underneath, right? Like a little asterisk and that says, this is a DNA defining game, DNA defining win for this team in week three. It's early. There's still a lot to be said about every team in the league, but for them to first and foremost respond to losing Patrick McCary with what we now know is a left ankle sprain. We don't know specifically what his timetable is. We'll learn more in the coming days, if not weeks. But for them to respond, when Daniel Falele came in and immediately was having all kinds of trouble there protecting Lamar Jackson's blind side, they could have folded, Sarah. And the fact that they didn't, and again, we'll get to the other injuries here in the coming minutes in, in this podcast, but to me, it's it's a DNA-defining win for this team. Well, Lamar Jackson said something similar. You know, he was like, adversity makes us better. Adversity makes us better. And here you are coming off of what many were calling an embarrassing loss in Miami when both on offense and defense in the fourth quarter, they just collapsed. It needed to be a full-team effort, but it was obviously worse on defense. And then, as you say, with it just felt like every drive there was like a new injury announcement on the Ravens. There was one point where a new injury came up and, you know, I hadn't seen who yet had gone down, but I had assumed it was the Ravens. And then I was like, oh, it's the Patriots, <laughs> you know, like not yeah. that I'm celebrating anybody's injury, but I was like, oh, you mean other people could be injured other than the Ravens? So, but yeah, that's exactly what Lamar Jackson said after the game. He said, adversity just makes us climb even higher. It makes us perform even better. It like, it just brings out the best in you because it pushes you to. So similar to last year, I felt like that Ravens were the same way, but then, you know, they had so many season ending injuries to, to stars and knock on wood so far this season, the injuries haven't been as serious. Although like we said, we'll get into the injuries and, and Harbaugh did give some announcements on a few of those after the game. But Bobby, I say we we start we gotta start with Lamar. <laughs> How can we, we not? It's just it's it's unreal what he's doing. It's unreal. L- let's just unpack the stats here. Eighteen of twenty nine for two hundred and eighteen passing yards. Okay, only eighteen completions. Talk about efficient. Four of those eighteen were passing touchdowns. One interception, then eight carries for one hundred and seven yards, and then a rushing touchdown. He's the third player in NFL history to record four touchdown passes and 100 rushing yards in a single game. So he joined some elite company with Cam Newton and Randall Cunningham. Then he's the first player ever, first player ever to have back-to-back games, not just have these games, but back-to-back, three touchdown passes or more, and 100-plus rushing yards or more. Never been done before. Never been done before. Unreal. All of this is happening while he's betting on himself, which we obviously know has been the most publicized and maybe biggest storyline in the entire NFL. The fact that he remains uh, on his fifth year option and not locked into one of the mega deals that we know he is worthy of, of receiving from the Ravens or for that matter, any other NFL team in the coming years. We obviously hope it's in Baltimore. Sarah, I want to go back to, we could talk about all the numbers that he posts on a weekly basis. And as he says, he's just playing Lamar football, right? Like it's <laughs> just, this is what he does. I just, it takes such trust in not only yourself, but your line as well. When literally you have a developmental tackle 
who did not log one snap during his college years at Minnesota at left tackle. And then he is thrust into starting left tackle position when Patrick McCary goes down. Like the trust that it takes from an overall vision standpoint uh, and an overall feel in the pocket is just, it's uncanny. He has this innate ability to have a feel of this offense that we've never seen before. I, I want it to be highlighted because the numbers will be what we see and read about and hear about all week long. But that to me was the difference in this entire game is his ability to entrust a rookie who let's be honest, if we look at the depth chart, Sarah, when all of their offensive linemen are healthy, where would Philele be on there? It'd be Ronnie Stanley. Then it would be Jawan James, I guess, based on what the, the Ravens have chosen to do throughout the course of the last couple of months. Then it'd be, I guess, McCary. Would you put Moses in there, assuming that somebody else could handle right tackle duties before you would Philele? Like he's the fourth or fifth guy down. I mean, he's obviously at least the fourth. Um, they chose not to put Moses over there, which is probably a good good move. You don't you don't need to disrupt the whole line to move over. But lo- to get to your point here, Bobby, Lamar Jackson is such a good teammate. He's such a good teammate. Let's listen in to what he said about Philele, and then we have to give Philele his 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 flowers too. This is one of my favorite quotes of the press conference after the game. The reporter asked about Daniel Falele, rookie left tackle. As you said, never took a snap at left tackle. He's at least the fourth on the depth chart, if not fifth. Here's what Lamar Jackson had to say. You know, he just started dominating, you know, like he did in college. And, you know, I didn't doubt him at all. You know, none of us did. You know, it was for Pat, you know, because McCarty left it out on the field for us. And the lineman said it, you know, and we was all, all you know, dialed in. And shout out Falele because he stepped up major. Love that. Absolutely. How can you like he says, I didn't doubt him at all. I didn't doubt him at all. And then he says, I, I've he started dominating. And I'm like, I I doubted him. I'll be honest. Yeah. I doubted him. But that's why Lamar is such a good teammate. I mean, I mean, he did give up that sack early, and then the Ravens did go to help Philele, especially early. There was one where likely just took on the edge defender and Philele actually just got to sit back and, and let him do it. But, but Philele adjusted. You heard reports that while the Patriots offense was on the team, Philele was on the sideline working on his left tackle pass sets because it's a totally different position. And, and, and then John Harbaugh after the game, because all the reporters were like, Hey, how about Philele? I mean, obviously you helped him out. And he's, and John's like, actually we helped him out early, but then we didn't have to anymore. We didn't have to anymore because he was playing so well. And then also the running game helps that helps take off the pressure so that edge rushers can't just pin their ears back. So, yeah. So, I mean, flowers to Flele and also just, again, a great teammate for Lamar. You, I imagine if I played on the same team as Lamar, I wouldn't want to let him down. But if I ever did, that's a guy who I know would still have my back. I wouldn't want to let him down either. He's such a unicorn. (laughs) He's just... He plays the game with with such joy and he's doing things that has the entire NFL world, the entire sports world watching Baltimore on a weekly basis on Sunday, Sarah. Like that hasn't always been the case, right? And and he's just he's generational. He literally captivates the entire sports world on Sundays. 
Well, it's funny that you say generational, which is true. I And this is another thing that makes Lamar so lovable that I wish that more across the nation could see. I mean, you'll, you'll, I mean, fans across the country, you know, will, will watch sports center and they'll see the highlights and they'll see the records that I just named, but they don't get to know him personally. And this is yet another reason why I love him so much. So those stats that I named all these back-to-back things, these records that he's doing, uh, Jamison Hensley of ESPN told him about one of those, stats the one that it's never happened in back-to-back games the three touchdown passes and the 100 yards rushing and then Jamison Hensley uses the word groundbreaking groundbreaking because yeah we've had dual threat quarterbacks in the past but not at this level not at this level just like there had been traditional quarterbacks in the past but not at Tom Brady's level right so so the style of play isn't brand new but the level of this style of play this we have never seen so Jameson Hensley says to Lamar he's he he's he gives him the stat and says it's groundbreaking he's like do you take pride in that and Lamar's immediate response he doesn't crack a smile he isn't like oh it's pretty nice no he goes Jameson all I want to do is win all I want to do is win and that sums it up if all you care about is winning Everything else is going to fall into place. And then, you know, he's just a typical Lamar. Hey, it's just one game. Last week after that collapse, he's like, I said it was just one game. After this win today, I'm going to say it's one game. I just don't know many people who are able to keep failure and success in perspective as well as Lamar does. Yeah, no, that's well said. Week in and week out, the the news cycle changes significantly. Like I said at the top, it's going to be a very, very different storyline uh, entering the Buffalo Bills game. And Sarah, it could be a shootout for the ages, assuming that the Ravens can put up the types of points uh, that they have 30 plus on average uh, through three weeks now against the Bills defense that is pretty stout. You know, that'll be a conversation for later on this week. But let's keep this conversation moving. I mean, there's so many yeah. different angles that that we want to discuss here. But this time last week, as we were recording this, of course, on on Sunday night, it was an epic collapse for the ages from a Ravens defense that was just incredibly jarring. I mean, uh, surrendering 28 fourth quarter points to a Miami team that, by the way, again, a conversation for probably another episode, but the Dolphins look legit as they did last week. Uh, they beat the Bills this week. So the, again, you know, it, it doesn't do anything about it doesn't change the fact that that collapse happened from happened from a Ravens defense, but it sure looks like the Dolphins, for what it's worth, may end up being there and being a, a legitimate contender uh, in this AFC. But but Sarah, the defense completely rewrote the script this week. Five takeaways. Marcus Peters among those. His first in obviously a long time being back in there. Kyle Hamilton redeems himself in a big way with a big time first round pick esque force fumble. The recovery was from Marcus Peters right along the sideline, which was exceptional to keep it in bounds. This defense got back to doing what it does best. And this is why this defense was built, right? To be a takeaway machine. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly it. I feel like the Ravens defense was missing that element last year without Marcus Peters there. I mean, the Ravens just weren't doing much at all in the turnover department. And then after Marlon Humphrey went down, it just, it's so, and listen, Bobby, I'll even, I was, it must've been early in the fourth or late third. And I remember the Patriots had just scored and the defense had given up a lot of yards, missed a couple uh, tackles. And I had tweeted, I said, 
okay, the Ravens offense is going to have to score right here, and they're going to have to chew up a lot of time because there is no confidence that the defense can close this out. I tweeted that. Next play, that was when the Rashad Bateman fumble went down, and we're going to talk about that later and get John Har- Harbaugh's comments on it. <laughs> so I was like, that was the opposite of scoring and spending a lot of time. Like, he he fumbled on the next drive. And I was just like, this could be it. I just I saw last week's game against Miami happening all over again. That's what I saw. And then I imagine if I'm thinking that, Don't you think that some of these players, including rookie Kyle Hamilton, could be asking himself, is this going to be a repeat or is this going to be my moment? Is this going to be last week was last week and that doesn't define me or am I going to start a new chapter? And that's what the Ravens defense did. After having a 21-point fourth quarter collapse last week, they have a three-turnover fourth quarter this week. Just completely decided to rewrite a story. But I have to say this, though, Bobby, because people were running down hard on them, including us. But it is like what Clarence Brooks always says, and John Harbaugh reminded us of this today. This game has been, is, and always will be about the players. And we said this when Rex Ryan went off on the defense, and we were like, well, he's right, but he's also wrong. He's not accounting for the fact that they were down to their three rookies in the secondary in the fourth quarter. Well, both Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters is in there in the fourth quarter. And they make a difference because this game is about the players. You can't you can't always say, well, you got to do it anyway. I mean, yeah, that's the reality of it. You got to send your next man out, but you can't tell me there's not levels. The fact that Marlon Humphrey came up with a very timely touchdown in the back of the end zone, that was after the Rashad Bateman fumble. Marlon Humphrey, your all-pro cornerback, came up with that. Marcus Peters comes up, as you said, your all-pro corner. That fumble recover, that, that was very difficult to make sure he got his whole body in bounds before that. He also has a pick. And then Kyle Hamilton. I don't know that I'm happier for anybody on defense more than I'm happy for Kyle Hamilton. And we highlighted how he took responsibility. He faced the music. He said, I hated leaving them down. And his forced fumble was an effort play. It was all effort. It was all effort. The the Patriots receiver had a had the ball, was in and like his the whoever was covering, I think it was Pepe Williams. Couldn't catch him to tackle him. He's off to the races, and Kyle Hamilton catches up and does a good old Marlon Humphrey punch out. I mean, it, it just it does make a difference to have your all pros in there, and it does make a difference to let your rookies have some learning moments and fa- moments and have adversity like we talked about. And then, of course, Josh Bynes gets one, and he's just always where he's supposed to be. I mean, it just was complete redemption for this uh, this defense. But the same thing goes, just like Miami's in the past. And Miami didn't define them in the Patriots. We're going to give them their flowers against the Patriots. But then next week is against the Bills, and that's a new chapter. So I'm not saying that it's completely turned around and the defense of anybody has a lot to fix. But this is the point. You don't let any single week define you. Miami didn't define them. New England won't define them. It's going to be a whole season that defines them. Yeah, now it's time to start stacking and building because – you're right. It was far from perfect. As I mean, no game is is perfect. Kyle Hamilton even mentioned that he'll never be perfect. Five years yeah. from now, you know, five games from now, five minutes from now. But 
the way he more than redeemed himself. And uh, it, it, it deserves to be highlighted. It deserves to be acknowledged. And as somebody who probably heard all of it this week, you know, like you said, yep. he spoke with the media. He spoke with local reporters. He faced the music. He held himself accountable. He had honest and open conversations with his teammates. Marcus Williams at the top of that list, who he we discussed that on our morning vaults this this past week leading into week three. And I just think it says a lot about him and says a lot about who the Ravens thought he was and clearly who he is based on how he responded today. And, and so the three interceptions go down in the books as Marcus Peters, who has the most, of course, since he entered the league, crossed the NFL in 2015. Josh Bynes, who made the, the, the final tackle in Super Bowl 47, is still around <laughs> getting it done for the Ravens. He intercepts Mac Jones, Sarah. And then, of course, Marlon Humphrey, which was somewhat of a gift from Mac Jones. Yeah, well, okay, and don't forget, by the way, we've got to give Marlon his props here. One of those five turnovers is the turnover on downs. And in that one, Marlon was in zone coverage against somebody else, but he read Mac Jones, came off of his man, came up and stuffed, just stuck born like yards before the fourth down marker. So I've got two questions for you on defense, Bobby. Okay, the first one is, is on this turnover topic. Of all these that we just talked about, and all of them have been great, of the five, which one is your favorite? You got to pick one. Oh, oh that, that's pretty easy. I mean, it's got to be Kyle, right? Like the, the fact that mm -hmm. he's... He was chasing down the ball and redemption in the same yeah. breath, right? <laughs> yeah. like that's just that's yeah. just what it was. And then for Marcus to kind of do the one-two punch there, just you saw the rookie in the vet getting it done when it mattered most. It was just exceptional, absolutely yeah. exceptional. Yeah. I don't know how Marcus was able to secure that football, uh, bang bang play up against the sideline edge, stays in bounds. The concentration and, and execution was a thing of beauty. How about you? I would also say that one, but more because of what Kyle Hamilton was coming from. And also, I think that the, the, the recovery was probably the most impressive turnover. I'd say the one that really set everything in the motion and was probably, maybe I'd put this one as the biggest, might be the Marlon Humphrey one in the back of the end zone because it came off of, like, New England had all the momentum coming off of that um, fumble by Rashad Bateman. And so to get them in the end zone when they're about to score, that really started to turn things in the fourth quarter. And I think it set everything into motion. So within the game, I'd probably say Marlins was, was, was the best, but my favorite was the same one as you. Oh, and Marlins probably going to be happy about that one. For those that didn't see, <laughs> we got to give the story with Mrs. EDC, Lacey DaCosta. So if you didn't see this on Twitter beforehand, uh, the Ravens media team was taking pictures of all the Ravens players coming into the stadium at Gillette Stadium. Have this gorgeous-looking picture, super high quality. Marlon Humphrey's coming in with, what, salmon or pink? I don't know. He's got on this great suit, looking, like, just dressed to the nines, looking smooth. Everything's good. And then he's got headphones in his ear, and they're just your standard iPhone headphones that they give you when you get your iPhone and he doesn't have them plugged in. Like the wire's just flapping as he's walking. So Mrs. DaCosta tells Humphrey, she's like, if you get a turnover today, I'll get you a new pair of AirPods with like no wires. So of course he gets it and she retweets it with a uh, 
retweets the the Ravens tweet about his turnover. She retweets it, tags Marlon, and says, "Here you go," and has a picture of uh, Beats headphones. You know, br- brings it up a notch. So I thought that was just a fun, like, little story going on on the outside. So Marlon's got him. Not that he couldn't afford some wireless headphones, Bobby, <laughs> but DaCosta's yeah. got his back. Yeah. Mrs. Okay. EDC brings the incentive and Marlon delivers. I mean, if it's that easy, if it's that simple, we're going to have AirPods flowing every single week. Let's get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so we've talked about all the good with the defense. This is great. Turnovers, beats, being number one in in yards allowed. That being said, the defense did not look good through three quarters. Um, Giving up lots of yards, in some places, making Mac Jones looking like he was Tom Brady, right? (laughs) Just like, or, or, and I couldn't believe I saw this. Who was this that said it? I better not name any names. I have a suspicion of who I think I remember it was. Some national guy. Maybe we'll put this in Morning Vault once I can find it. And I don't want to call somebody out if they didn't do it. Somebody was like, Mac Jones is a better runner than Lamar Jackson. Come at me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Way to start. Yeah. Way to start a fight. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Right. But that was the kind of day the defense was having, right? They were making Mac Jones look good. Nobody can rely on five turnovers week in and week out. What to you is the biggest concern about this Ravens defense and what they have to fix going forward? Very similar to last week. I know there weren't any like egregious busted coverages, things that we'll be watching on loop like we did last week with Tyreek Hill and Tua and all that. But Sarah, Devontae Parker Mm. is a very capable wide receiver. There's no question. He's in the NFL for a reason. You know, the, the, the Patriots were without Jacoby Myers, one of Mac's favorite targets. For Devontae to look like a bona fide number one out there tells me that it was a blown assignment for the secondary. Five receptions, 156 yards. That's that's going to be on the whiteboard this week. That's unacceptable. And a lot of them were not busted coverages, but miscues. And, you know, Jalen Armour Davis, certainly you don't want to pick on one guy. I think Brandon Stevens struggled today as well, but I'm a little worried about the secondary depth after Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I do think it's fair to say, especially they already lost Kyle Fuller. I I guess for me, I mean, look, there's a a few things to to fix on defense. Here's, here's my hope. (laughs) My hope is number one, they stay healthy. Okay. That's number one. Number two, the reason why, I have a little bit more faith there is because of what we saw with Kyle Hamilton. These rookies will grow. They're going to grow. It's going to happen. And they're going to get better. And they're also going to have more mistakes, but they're going to get better. So as long as, you know, they can stay healthy, then the rookies can do their spot help. Now, if they have to go into a Marlon or Marcus Peters role, then the Ravens are in trouble. But if they just come in here and there playing around those guys and around, you know, Marcus Williams and Chuck Clark, then that's fine. Then they're going to learn enough to do what they're supposed to do in the assignments that they're given without having to put them out on islands or, or just play, you know, the, the full time like they had to do uh, in Miami. So, listen, just like with everything in football, health is going to play a major, major part in it. But I think the thing that still concerns me the most is the pressure, is the pressure on quarterbacks. Because when the Ravens did get pressure, it did help with the turnovers. So 
uh, the the Marlon Humphrey interception. I give Marlon his props, but that was a timely call from Mike McDonald to blitz with Pepe Williams, and Brandon Copeland got some pressure on there too. Brandon Copeland, FYI, if you didn't really recognize his name, it's because he was just signed last week to the practice squad and was elevated. And by the way, he got a sack in addition to this pressure that he got with Pepe to to force the interception. So great game for for the first time as a Raven for Copeland. But prior to that, Odafe Owe is not getting the pressure we had hoped for. And on top of it, he's not sealing the edge as consistently as needed. He just hasn't found his footing yet. On top of it, Justin Houston left the game, never came back. And then so you've got Brennan Copeland. So I, and then now Michael Pierce, Michael Pierce is injured. I'm concerned about pressure. I'm very, very concerned about pressure. Now, part of the answer is coming probably this week. JPP is expected to officially sign his contract. They've agreed to terms. I imagine he's coming in for a physical. Then after the physical, he'll go ahead and sign the terms. So JPP could be back this week. That will help. The other help, Tyus Bowser, it's going to be a week or two or three away. Then Ojabo's later down. It's it's just can they get pressure over the next four weeks or so before the reinforcements come? Because that's the only way to get you make sure that you're going to be in contention later in the season. Let's just hold the fort down. And so far, minus the Jets game, it hasn't happened. So can JPP come in and be a hero for a couple weeks? That's what the Ravens are going to need. So that's what I'm most worried about. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sarah, they gave up as a team 7.1 yards per play this afternoon. This this game, this ultimate outcome may have looked a whole lot different would have looked a whole lot different without those timely takeaways that we just mentioned. So yeah, I'm with you. It's a combination of just like it was last week, right? The defensive pressure fell off a cliff in the second half against Miami and all of a sudden put the secondary, including the rookies, Jalen armor Davis being, being one of them in a very vulnerable spot. So yeah, I guess, you know, yours is the pressure, which it always starts with the pressure up front or lack thereof in Baltimore's case. What about the inability to consistently when plays break down and we saw Mac Jones somehow put on his 
number eight jersey, if you will, and become <laughs> uh, find this escapability within him, which apparently that national reporter was getting at with that tweet you mentioned a, a couple minutes ago. But the yeah. inability to finish, like when plays break down, how many chunk yards did he pick up today on the run? That is certainly not something that is a strength of Max, but you wouldn't know it looking at the box score. Uh, he right. finished with, you know, in, in the rushing category, he finished with five carries for 31 yards, none of which were, were designed. It's just taking what the defense gives him. So that's a little bit of a concern that that this this front isn't able to get quarterbacks down uh, consistently when plays break down and when they have them on their heels uh, on third and long or, or in key situations. That's how you extend drives. That's how you you end up uh, getting in back-breaking situations. So it's a combination of things. But at the end of the day, you know, they held the Patriots team to, to 26 total points, which was, yep. was good enough today. Yep, yep. They just keep making plays, make plays with their playmakers, and hopefully that'll that'll hold them over until they can get reinforcements at outside linebackers. So speaking of, of injuries, talking about outside linebacker, let's go ahead and attack this. We've talked about it a few times. Let me just run through the list based off of what John Harbaugh said after the game. So left tackle Patrick McCarry, John Harbaugh said it's just a sprain, sprained ankle, and he said he will be, quote, fine, said it's not a long-term thing, okay? Michael Pierce didn't sound as encouraging. Harbaugh didn't give a definitive answer. He said they're going to have to look at it. Uh, and then he said Pierce is going to have a decision to make. So that that may mean he's got a pretty serious injury and Pierce has to decide if he wants to play through it or take care of it. That's what I took from that, but we'll see. We'll get a more definitive answer. I'm sure at John Harbaugh's press conference on Monday afternoon, Justin Houston also didn't sound too serious. Sounds like it's a, uh, a pulled groin muscle. That's somebody who it's like, he's just 33 years old and playing more snaps than I can't remember how many years ago. So, and then there was the Morgan Mo Moses. He had an ankle bruise, but he returned. Then Clayus Campbell turns out left calf cramp and he returned. So those are the updates. And again, knock on wood, the thing that's different from this year from last year was that they just haven't been season enders. So if this can just continue, if you're going to keep getting guys, you know, that go down, this is the way we want to do it. But this brings me to this next point. We've given Daniel Falele his, uh, his due, his flowers. Where is Ronnie Stanley? Paging Ronnie Stanley. It, this, it's kind of it's kind of a weird situation, wouldn't you say, Bobby, based off of what John Harbaugh keeps saying at podium? Here's what I'm interpreting. Harbaugh has said more than twice that Ronnie Stanley is in the best shape John Harbaugh's ever seen him. And then the first time he ever said it was like a couple weeks ago, and he says, well, maybe, maybe one of the best shape, you know, kind of like up there basically. And then this week he said yet again, it's the best shape I've ever seen him. And then he's reiterated time and time and time again, because they, because he, they keep asking him, when is he coming back? And he's like, well, it, you know, it's, it's, it's how the player feels. It's how the player feels. It's how the player feels. My interpretation of that is that this is 100% in Ronnie's court. And I could be wrong because nobody's come out and said this. So this is pure speculation. So don't start quoting me. But I just get the feeling that the Ravens may have cleared him. And they're just waiting for Ronnie to clear himself. That's that's my interpretation of it. So I think you could be onto something there. Yeah. I, I mean, 
if it's about what the player feels and if he has been cleared, which is speculation right now, right? let's hope that the inner competitor within Ronnie Stanley is buzzing and burning right now, knowing that while McCarry's injury is not deemed serious, it's also likely that an ankle sprain sidelines side him multiple weeks. That's typically what happens. I guess it's dependent on if it's a high sprain or you know low sprain or whatever. But I, I would have to think that he's not going to be available week four per se against the the Buffalo Bills. You know, arguably the best team in the entire league. So if that's the case, man, I, I hope that's starting to push his timeline ahead a little bit, Sarah. Let's go, Ronnie. Pick up my page. We're paging you. Let's go. I mean, listen, I definitely don't – I mean, if he's legit having problems with his ankle, I mean, nobody should pressure him into it. He knows his body more than anybody. But it's like we're on the fourth fourth number four tackle who's never played before today. We, you know, Raven sure could use him. Sure could use him. So I think that's going to be a big question. But but just to have the, the positive spin on the injuries, let's not forget Nick Boyle came back today. J.K. Dobbins came back today. We haven't even talked about him in the run game. J.K. Dobbins came back today. Marcus Peters is out there, and he's been back there for two games. As we said, notched his first uh, interception today and got the recovery. So the Ravens, whew, trending we're trending there we're getting there but but let's use that as a segue bobby how about that run game today how about that run game i want to give some love to justice hill because yeah he deserves more of a workload he deserve he's earned more of a workload and i think we're going to see that moving forward sarah john harbaugh has made it clear that he has been a thumbs up throughout this entire process he has come in to camp in shape back over in the early part of the summer. He's been patient. He's been rehabbing his you-know-what off to come back from the torn Achilles. He's got pop. He's got burst. Six carries for 60 yards, a long of 34 today. I'm just happy for Justice, the player, and I hope that when this running back, maybe months from now, that's okay if it is, but months from now, if that's the case, when they're at full strength, meaning Dobbins and Edwards are back contributing and at least, you know, a fraction of what they once were, that Hill, Justice Hill, is the third back on game days because this guy deserves it. He's shown it time and time again. And today, truly, truly, he he earned what he was given. Absolutely, he did. In fact, I want to – let's go to John Harbaugh's comments about Hill, and he was also asked about J.K., so he talks about him back-to-back. Let's listen to this quote, and then we'll talk afterwards. He was kind of the bell cow today. He made some exceptional runs. He and I have been talking about that for a couple weeks. You know, he was going to break out and, and run like a star running back, and he did it. J.K. came in and, and uh, was exceptional. You know, first game back, couldn't have expected any better than that. You know, Mike does a great job. Still, Kenyon's doing a great job. I mean, I, I love all four of those guys. All right, how about that? Harbs calls Hill the bell cow. The bell cow today. He's not saying it'll be for the season, but certainly did for today. And I just think that's cool. I think that's cool that Harbaugh had been talking with Hill leading up to this, and he said that they've been talking about a breakout game. This was kind of it. You know, he has that 34-yard run, the longest run by a Ravens running back this season. Uh, the previous was 13 yards. Hill has also been, you know, good in pass protection. There was maybe one or two I looked at today. It looked like he missed, but generally speaking, he has. He's been, he's been, he's he's been explosive. He just looked explosive on that 34 four yard run, Bobby. He had cutbacks 
He had these cuts, like maybe three or four in them that kept opening up more space for him. And we talked about in the preview, I talked about how, to me, he missed what was a potential house call last week. Just I didn't feel like had the vision on one of them. And if, even if he didn't score, I think he hit, could have had a lot, lot more yards. And today it just seemed like his vision was better. We'll see what the, the tape tells us afterwards, but I like the vision. And then JK, JK, I feel like he looked good. He looked good to me. I think the Ravens clearly had him on a pitch count. JK finished with uh, seven carries for 23 yards, but he also added, he probably did more damage in the passing game. Looking this up, Dobbins. Okay, two catches for 17 yards along for 11. Not a bad return. Not a bad return. He's just going to keep revving it up, keep revving it up. And just overall, it just felt like a Ravens running game to me. It was the first time that it was like, if they need three yards, I think they can get three yards today. And then we obviously cannot talk about the run game without talking about Lamar Jackson. He had 11 rushes for 107 yards. Would have been 110, but he had the kneel done at the end. So uh, that took out three yards, <laughs> plus, plus the rushing, the rushing touchdown. So it's just a Raven, 188 total rushing yards from the Ravens offense. And not only did J.K. reappear, by the way, and then Hill had more of a prominent role, but there was more read option today, more read option. And I think part of that might just be that Lamar and J.K. and Hill, who have been doing it for years together, have a better feel for each other. But there were many times like that they all benefited from each other and Lamar made the correct reads to either hand off or, man, when he shoots up the middle, like just like out of a cannon and goes up the middle, that's, that's one of my favorite Lamar plays. I mean, why more teams, I'm sure they're, they're like jumping on the, on the read thinking they need to go get one of the running backs, but this was a great sign, not only from the backs, but also the offensive line. I thought the offensive line had more holes there. It just felt like a different running game than we've seen in the first two weeks. Sarah, when he shoots up the middle, it's literally like popping a bottle of champagne. Like, look out, you know, cover your eyes. You're going to get hit. I mean, it's just insane how much burst and power he has. And yeah, so I think along these lines, too, I want to give Greg Roman somewhat of a shout out here oh, on the yeah. vault because he he continues to open up his vault little by little. You know, a little shovel pass from Lamar to Mark there in the first half was pretty crafty uh, by design. Quarterback power was back. Like you said, RPO returned. But I think most importantly, Sarah, most importantly was that finding the ground game in the second half, I think really allowed Falele to settle in and just yeah. sort of take a breather and get back to the fundamentals of, of football. When he came in immediately after McCary went down and by the way, Patrick had to be carted off. The cleat was off. The sock was off. So clearly it was a sprain, you know, without knowing it at that point, the Patriots were absolutely targeting Falele. They, they knew, they knew this mm -hmm. guy didn't have any reps underneath his belt. So whether it was Judon or wise junior who had a game wrecking kind of game for, for the Patriots. I mean, they, there was, it was just, all happening so fast. So I really want to, I think Greg Roman deserves some credit for establishing that ground game in the second half, which I think made Daniel a lot more comfortable. Yeah. Let's, let's actually go. Lamar Jackson was asked about Greg Roman today, which actually is kind of interesting to me that it's rare that he's asked a direct question about Greg Roman. I feel like more questions could, could be there, but for the first time in what seemed like a while, the media asked Lamar what he thought about Greg Roman's play calls today. Here's Lamar. Yeah, you know, he was dialing it up. Um, that's what we just got to keep doing. You know, we just got to keep doing that the whole season. 
playoffs, whatever. We just got to keep doing that. He, he did a good job. All right. So he says Greg Roman was dealing today. And I do think one big difference, I mean, last week I do, I did say when I went back and reviewed the tape, I did feel like Roman was a little stubborn in just trying to run it down Miami's throats. But then this time, again, these, these are four touchdown passes by Lamar. And some of them are really close, like the shovel pass pass. That's a five-yard touchdown pass instead of trying to, like, run it up the middle the way that he kept trying to last week. The Josh Oliver touchdown, that's a one-yarder. You know, that's a one-yard pass that instead of running that wasn't working last week, you know, Greg Roman pulled that out. The pass to Duvernay, which, oh, my gosh, all the credit in the world to both Lamar and Duvernay, by the way, where – Lamar puts it in a perfect spot, just a gorgeous floater. Duvernay in the back of the corner of the end zone, gets both of his feet in, absolutely gorgeous pass. But again, that was a uh, four-yard short pass. And then the last one, the last touchdown was was Lamar running it in. So, yeah, so I thought Greg Roman had a, a really excellent game. And by the way, Bobby, just real quick, I looked up who, which, which national reporter said that Mac Jones – looks better than Lamar. It's Greg A. Bedard. Now, he now writes up in Boston specifically, but I'm pretty sure he's been in in Sports Illustrated. But he says, Mac Jones, a better runner than Lamar today. Come at me. And I was trying to give him a little grace because I was like, well, maybe he said that early and maybe it was before Lamar going off for 107 yards, but he never came back and said, well, (laughs) never mind. (laughs) Like, he just, he's standing by that tweet, it looks like. And also, real quick, since I'm looking him up, he tw- he tweeted that Mac Jones was carried down the stairs to the locker room screaming in pain, uh, and then he had a picture of it. Um, yeah. Looks like Mac Jones, uh, I, I you know, prayers up to Mac Jones. You never want to see any quarterback go down like that, any player go down like that. So uh, prayers up to him, and I hope it's not too serious. I think Calais Campbell got him pretty good there at the end. Of course, inadvertently, indirectly, not on purpose, mm-hmm. but I think it was a, a pretty good ankle issue. So we'll we'll see. I haven't seen anything uh, past past uh, what what you just said. So anyway, yeah, I mean he's he's a very capable quarterback, and you know the Patriots are a team that with the goat as the head coach, and you know a, a stout defense, which the Ravens were able to kind of take advantage of today because of how explosive and, you know, high flying they are, they're going to be there. They're going to be competing a week in and week out. But, you know, two guys that I wanted to mention, you just mentioned one of them, Devin Duvernay, not only continues to put this team, Sarah, more often than not in great field position as an elite return specialist sure looks like he's headed for another pro bowl. It's it's early to, to anoint anybody a pro bowler, but coming off of, what he put together in 2021 and the hot start he's off to in that regard. I think he'll, he's certainly pro bowl bound if he keeps this up, but then just him emerging over the last few weeks as the clear wide receiver too, especially on a day where until the end, you know, Rashad Bateman was a non-factor that that tells me that like, yeah, that this passing offense has taken the next step because it has depth for the first time in the Lamar Jackson era, like truly Mm. for the first Mm -hmm. time, aside from Mark Andrews, of course. So we're talking wide receivers. We'll get to 89 in a bit because I don't even know how we haven't mentioned him yet. Cause he's, (laughs) it's it's just a mainstay. Maybe that's why we haven't mentioned him. We just, it's because you expect it. Yep. That's exactly. We said jinx one, two, three, four. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is because you expect it. Yeah. Right. So, you know, for Devin to be taking these steps is so encouraging. And then, 
look, this guy was playing in front of his home crowd. He grew up in not far from Gillette Stadium, then went on to have a great career at Maine. He was undrafted in 2017. The Ravens took a chance on him. He played all three phases of the game. He's known as the once project, then pancake, and then perennial Pro Bowl fullback, Pat Ricard. Man, he was unbelievable today. Yet again, if you find yourself following the football, and all of us do as football fans, but if you want to watch the game in maybe a little bit more of a sophisticated way, I don't know, just watch number 42. I felt like I've already I feel like I've already said this before in one of our episodes, Sarah, but I'll say it again because it warrants repeat. He's awesome to watch on a football field. Go back and watch. In fact, I got to go get this and tweet it. Go back and watch on Justice Hill's 34-yard run. Patrick Ricard absolutely knocks Matthew Judon into oblivion to the ground. And Matthew Judon, by the way, had a great game. Had a great yes, game. He, he wanted to show he wanted to show the Ravens. I mean, they always downplay it in, in pressers, but I guarantee you he wanted to show the Ravens what they're missing. And boy, are the Ravens missing him. But I mean, he was in Lamar's face all game, and I love the re- mutual respect they were showing each other. Big hug afterwards. Great to see Matthew have a good game while also losing. So that was nice. But that might have been one of my favorite Ricard plays today. You go back and watch that in the middle of all of it. He just <laughs> collapses Judon. Great, great game by by Ricard. And I will say, just to, to, to go back to some of the other guys you named, Duvernay, through three weeks, best return man in football. I'll be the first to admit I'd had no clue he had this in him to, as a starting receiver. In three games, he's got three touchdowns total, and he's just what the Ravens needed. Mark Andrews, I just wanted to point this one out. How about him mossing McCourty? I mean, just Mm. like that. I do not know how he came down with that ball. Go back and watch that from all angles. He put his arms over McCourty's head, found a way to get that ball kind of in his right arm. Unreal catch. Unreal. Unreal. Now, I do want to talk because I've seen this a lot on Twitter. I want to address Rashad Bateman, not just his his. Well, let's let's address both his his fumble, which let's quickly get Lamar or John Harbaugh's reaction to his fumble. He did not agree with it. Here's John Harbaugh. He never had possession of it. You got to have possession of it. So we'd like an explanation on that. We'll be asking for one. Thanks for asking about that. But to come back and make that catch and get upfield, make the play, I mean, that shows you about his character and what he's about. Yeah, I agree with Harbaugh there. To me, I don't see how they could say he possessed that ball. It's so weird how the league calls what it catches week in to week out. It just is one of the most confusing things in, in the NFL. But what I more wanted to get to besides that, because I think a lot of us can agree on, on the iffy call to say that he had possession. How do you feel about how much he was involved? Bobby. Yeah. I mean, I think throughout the majority of this game, he was a non-factor. Now, Sarah, it's hard to say without, you know, having thoroughly watched the tape back through yet, which we will in the coming days, uh, whether or not it was more about his inability to get open. Was it Lamar not finding him or not looking for him? Like all that is still to be determined. But what I do know is that like Kyle Hamilton on a different level, he responded to adversity like he just just missed a a deep ball from Lamar in the second half outstretched fingertips just I think it was slightly overthrown I want to get your thought on this slightly overthrown by Lamar and then of course the 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 fumble which 
John Harbaugh wanted obviously more clarity on and didn't agree with it. It was a heck of a defensive play. So again, what, whether you would agree or not out there listening to, to those characterizations, he came back and made a big play when it mattered the most. Yeah. He finished with two receptions for 59 yards, but one of them was 35 and in a big spot in the game. So I just feel like on a different yeah. level compared to Kyle Hamilton responding to his rookie moments in week two against the dolphins in that fourth quarter, I just felt like when it mattered the most, you know, big time players make big time plays. And when he was called upon, he answered when it mattered. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. I would like to see, they don't, uh, they always, um, we go to the, the stats, the NFL stats website, and then they give us the game book. They don't have the snap count until usually the next morning. So I'm curious what his snap count was. Um, because the, you know, the, the narrative on Twitter is that Patrick Ricard gets more, which he may, but it's not a direct correlation. You know, Patrick Ricard last year when he was getting, you know, the pass plays, it was because he was playing Nick Boyle's tight end role. It's, it's that, that's what was going on. And so to me, there is no correlation between the two. And I know people, there are some people are going to be yelling at, at back at the, their phones when they hear me say that, but I just don't, I, I stand by that. I don't think there's a direct correlation. So that said, I still want to see what the, um, what the snap count is. I'm very curious, but even if he does have a higher snap count to me, and I pointed this out in the preview, I said, Bobby, I'm very interested to see how Belichick decides to attack the Ravens offense on defense because through two games, people have dared Lamar to beat them with his arm, and he did. And it was with big plays, and Bateman has been a part of those big, big plays. Okay, he's He had a 55-yarder and a 75-yarder. Big plays. To me... Bill Belichick wasn't going to let that happen again. And even John Harbaugh said after the game that the way they played him is that they almost, he said a little bit, they dared Lamar to beat them with his legs. And he did. And so I, and he did. And that's the thing. Dare Lamar to beat you with your arm. You're in trouble. Dare Lamar to beat you with his legs. You're in trouble. So, you know, the few times that Bateman was one-on-one, Lamar went there, but there's enough offensive weapons between Lamar, Duvernay, Mark Andrews, J.K. Dobbins back, the way Hill was playing, the way Lamar, the read option was working and doing. You don't have to force the ball to Bateman the way some other teams have to force the ball to their wide receiver ones. Now, but I'll still, I'm still willing to wait to see what the snap count is. And if it's super low, then I would disagree with that. But if it's a super high snap count and Lamar is choosing to go elsewhere because people are open and Bill Belichick decided to double up and say, we're not letting Bateman get a big play, then, then I won't be mad at, at his involvement. So we'll just have to wait and see what those, those snap counts are and what the, and the, and what the uh, tape says. Mark Andrews did lead the way with eight receptions for 89 yards, two touchdowns. And like, I think this is what you're getting at, Sarah. Like somebody you knew was going to get taken away just based on Belichick's brilliance and his scheme. And it sure looked like aside from that 35 yard chunk play, it was Rashad Bateman out of all the playmakers. Uh, Maybe you could even put Isaiah likely in that category as well. Held to just uh, one reception, eight yards. He was targeted twice, but, uh, but, but nonetheless, that's, that's going to happen when you're going up against the greatest of all time. And, and 
you know, the, the chess match, the game within the game that we talked about is, was always was fascinating to watch too. These are two of the three longest tenured NFL head coaches in the entire league. So uh, that, that matchup is, I think when I go back and watch the film and watch the entire game, that's something I'll be looking for more and more in detail, more thoroughly. 100%. Now, Bobby, we've been going at this for 57 minutes now, so we need to wrap up, but it's been a fun one to kind of dissect. Just some quick loose ends with some stats. Just seen this on Twitter. Now, not all the games have been played. This is as of, you know, the middle of the 4 p.m. games. Lamar Jackson leads the NFL in passer rating, 119.0. Lamar Jackson leads the NFL in touchdown mm. passes in the entire NFL. But again, not everybody had played at this point, so we'll see. We, we really got to look Tuesday morning after all the quarterbacks have played. But Lamar Jackson has started this season with 12 touchdowns and two interceptions and two 100-yard rushing games. Let's not forget Justin Tucker. Hit his 50th field goal of 50 yards or more, but then he went and missed the the uh, the point after. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. And then quickly looking around the NFL, Bobby, the Miami Dolphins are now 3-0, and and they're looking kind of legit. Obviously, we know what happened against the Ravens last week, and then today they beat the New England Patriots. So they're looking pretty legit, and I wouldn't mind a rematch there where Marlon Humphrey – and company plays all the way into the fourth quarter. Wouldn't that be something? A little January rematch. Yeah. Miami's Ooh. starting to find its stride and they got playmakers through the roof and Ravens found out that found that out the hard way, certainly in the fourth quarter. So it, we know how competitive the AFC is. And I just think it's great for the game right now. There are so many, so many talented teams, high flying, explosive offensive teams. And the Ravens certainly are among them. And then just quickly in the AFC North, as we already know, Cleveland beat Pittsburgh 29-17. And then Cincinnati finally got their first win and it had to come against the New York Jets. So there's your your AFC North update. Who's What's the standings right now? Right now it's uh, the Browns and Ravens are 2-1 are and one, uh, entering week four and the Steelers and Bengals are 1-2. So there we know how go. this division goes. It's going to change 15 times between now and the new year. So <laughs> I love it. Love it. And I will mention too, for, in that Bengals win, uh, Joe Flacco and the Jets did struggle. Flacco was asked to pass it 52 times, 28 Ooh. for 52, 285 yards. He was picked off twice, uh, and unfortunately for the Jets, they uh, await Zach Wilson, uh, his return, and who knows if that'll change their fate at all. But anyway, all right, week three is in the books. As we've mentioned a couple times, it feels good to uh, you know host a, an instant reaction episode that's primarily positive. It's been a long, long week, Sarah, and I'm looking forward to turning the page to week four. And of course, the Buffalo Bills await next Sunday in Baltimore should be quite a matchup. So anyway, as always, we appreciate your support so much here on the vault. Hit us up via email at Baltimore Ravens vault at gmail.com. Let us know how we're doing. Give us some feedback and let us know how you want us to steer the conversation this week entering week four. And while you're at it, if you haven't already done so, check us out on YouTube. We are streaming all week long. You can just check out the Ravens Vault podcast and subscribe. It is free and it allows us to continue bringing you daily content on all things Ravens. So for my partner and co-host, Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this week three instant reaction here on The Vault. The Vault.